Okay, big guy, come on into your stall. But Peter didn't move. He lay there, unable to open his eyes. Oh, Peter, please get up. You will be okay. Just get up and come with me. But Peter didn't respond. Welcome to the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, with your hosts, Max and Liz. This podcast is brought to you by Playful World Ministries. Max, Liz, and all the characters and adventures of the Epic Order of the Seven were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. And I'm Denny Brownlee. Today we'll be hearing chapter 39 from the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud. Uh, But before we do, I just wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening to this amazing story. I hope you're really enjoying it, and I'd love for you to let us know that. If you get a moment this week, you could tell us by dropping us an email. What's your favorite part so far? Or who's your favorite character? And tell us why. Or maybe you have a question for Jenny L. Cody herself, the creator of this epic story, about how she comes up with some of her creative ways of telling it. Whatever your question may be or your comment, send them to her email at jenny at epicorderofthe7.com. That's jenny at epicorderofthe7.com. Oh, and speaking of her creativity, today bringing you chapter 39 from the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud, and what happens inside the Ark, man. <laughs> I got to tell you. Ah, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Oh, uh, Be sure announcer, stop! Sorry. Don't give it away. Aye, that's our job. No, it isn't, Max. My bad. <laughs> I got a little excited. You think maybe? Well, I, I just... I, I, here, listen, I'll just get out of the way now. Uh, everyone, here's Max and Liz. Well, at least he remembered to say our names, like a good announcer. Aye, he can be taught. <laughs> but in a way, you know, I can't blame him, lass. This is the part where we finally got on board the Ark. And if you remember last time, the first one to board needed it the most. Aye, Peter the polar bear, he were in a bad way. But... Just wait until you see what happens when he gets inside. Semenifique! Ah, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Hey, Liz! Cat, get your tongue! All right, all right, all right. Touché. Uh, so, Monsieur Denis, uh, would you tell the story, s'il vous plaît? Uh, sure. Uh, merci. Chapter 39. The Miracle. Duke pulled the cart up the ramp into the ark and then down to the lower level, carefully watching his step along the wooden walkway. When they reached the lower level, Noah stopped at a large stall that would accommodate the polar bears. Peter's breathing was shallow. He was about to pass out from the heat. He was not well, and Noah and Shem were concerned that he would not make it. Noah looked over the heat-exhausted animals. The animals could now enter their stalls, but what was the use? Even though it was slightly cooler in the ark, it was still too hot for them to be comfortable. God had told Noah that these animals were from the cold, snowy north, so he understood that they were not used to this heat. Noah closed his eyes and prayed, Oh God, please, how do we help these suffering animals? What else can we do? You can do nothing, Noah, but I can. Move the polar bears into the stall. Noah opened his eyes. Guide the bears into the stall, Shem. Help the large white bear get up and move. Shem gently spoke to Peter. Okay, big guy, here you go. Come on into your stall and rest. 
But Peter didn't move. He had no more strength left in him. He lay there, unable to open his eyes. Oh, Peter, please get up. Come, we will be fine here. You will be okay. Just get up and come with me, Pearl said as she nudged Peter with her nose, but Peter didn't respond. He was overcome with heat exhaustion and had passed out. Move the female bear into the stall. Maybe we can get the male to follow, Noah suggested. With that, Shem put his hand on Pearl's back and gently coaxed her toward the stall. Pearl didn't want to leave Peter's side, but felt she must follow this human. Maybe Peter would wake up and follow her. She walked slowly, her head down, and her heart full of worry. As Pearl crossed the threshold into the stall, they all heard a cracking sound. It was a sound that Noah and Shem had never before heard. But Pearl knew the sound well. She jerked her head up to see something she had not seen in more than a thousand miles. The wooden beams of the stall started to glaze over with ice. The ice spread quickly, swirling along the wood in an intricate pattern made up of millions of unique ice crystals. The wooden beams groaned from the added weight as the ice became thick with layer upon layer of multiplying crystals. Pearl's feet felt cold as the temperature in the stall plummeted below freezing. She exhaled slowly and saw a puff of her icy breath float in the air. She could taste the cold air. It was fresh. It was arctic. It tasted like home. Pearl looked back at Peter, her heart racing. Excitement filled her eyes as she bellowed, Peter, wake up! It's freezing in here! Come quickly! Noah, Shem, and even Duke fell back a step with how loud this polar bear called to her mate. They were speechless at what was happening, looking at each other in amazement. It was a miracle. Yuri and Dessa, the foxes, ran into the stall and jumped for joy, and Ivan and Natasha, the owls, flew inside and spread their wings to feel the cold air. It wasn't possible. This was an arctic habitat. Shem stepped inside the stall and stood with his arms outstretched, exclaiming, I can't believe this, Father. I've never felt so cold in my entire life. Noah looked toward heaven and chuckled. Only you could have done this. Only you! He quickly joined Shem, laughing in awe at what was happening. Their teeth began to chatter as they shivered, folding their arms over their chests and rubbing their hands over their upper arms to warm up. They blew into the air, and their breath turned into puffs of icy mist. Suddenly there was light gleaming from the ice, illuminating the stall. The ice mysteriously glowed, yet did not emit heat. A huge ice shell formed in the corner that was large enough for the bears to lie on. The foxes jumped on the shelf and spread out on their bellies, calling to the owls to join them. The owls flapped their wings and drifted onto the shelf. The male owl waved his wings as he swayed back and forth, closing his eyes in delight, clearly enjoying his new habitat. Noah looked up to see a long row of thick icicles hanging from the ceiling. Look at those, Shem. Shem looked at the icicles and then at Peter. He jumped up to knock one of the icicles off, 
catching it as it fell into his hand. It felt cold in his grip as he ran over to Peter and rubbed the ice over the bear's face, hoping to revive him. He would be okay if he just got up and entered the stall. Peter slowly opened his eyes. Pearl continued to bellow for him to get up. He couldn't believe what he saw. What is this? Ice? Am I dreaming? Have I died and gone to heaven? You're not dreaming, love. Come quickly and see what the Maker has done for us. We have ice. Ice! Come see! Pearl said excitedly, hope filling her heart. The stall was now completely white with ice. Shem put the icicle in Peter's mouth and he sucked on it to awaken his senses. It was enough to help Peter lift his head. He was only a few feet away from the thing he had longed for. If he could just muster up the strength, he could get to the ice and be okay. Peter looked at Pearl. The foxes and the owls smiled and laughed with joy. He looked at Shem and slowly stood. The bear was shaky, but Shem held him up as best he could to guide him into the stall. Peter walked over the threshold, felt the cold ice under his feet, and breathed the cold air into his lungs. He closed his eyes and said, Ah, now this is what I have needed. Peter dropped to his back and rolled around on the icy floor, feeling life pouring back into his body. Now there is one happy bear, exclaimed Ivan the owl. Duh, you can say this again, said Peter, sliding his arms back and forth over the snow and ice, making a snow angel. I feel like I am home. We made it, and the maker made sure we have what we need, Pearl chimed in, sitting down next to Peter. Even the humans seem happy for us. Noah and Shem were dancing around on the ice when Shem slipped and fell on his backside, laughing. Noah extended a hand to help Shem up and said, Whoa, watch it there, son. <laughs> You're not in Persia anymore. The animals and humans were celebrating God's provision for the Arctic animals when they heard Nala shouting above them from the middle level of the ark. Shem! Shem! Please come quickly! Nala, I'm coming! Shem yelled back, and then turning to Noah said, I hope she's okay. He carefully walked over the ice out to the corridor before running toward Nala's voice. She was petite and had been pushing herself to help with the animals in the ark. Sometimes she lifted things way too heavy for her small frame, but she never complained, finding joy in the most menial tasks. Shem ran down the corridor, then up the ramp to reach the middle level. Noah started to follow Shem, instructing Duke to wait by the polar bears, when he heard Ham calling from the opposite direction. Father! Hurry! Come to the end stalls on the middle level! Noah hesitated for a moment, then turned and walked quickly in Ham's direction. Shem reached the middle level and heard Nala laughing with Ada, saying, <laughs> I know, I can't believe it. What can't you believe, Nala? What is it? Shem asked, winded from running. He was relieved to see that she was okay. 
But as he walked over to his wife and his mother, he couldn't believe it either. There, in the ceiling of the stall, was a strange light coming from an unknown source. It looked like the sun, yet staring at it didn't hurt the eyes. Intense heat poured from the light into the stall, making the air dry. All moisture was sucked out of the self-contained atmosphere, creating a hot, arid desert. The floor of the stall was completely covered in hot sand. A gentle wind blew in this desert stall, causing the sand to shift and form ridges. Standing in the center of the stall was a pair of large camels, chewing their cud and using their extra eyelids to shield their eyes from the blowing sand. A large pair of light brown scorpions scurried over the sand, leaving a trail before climbing under a large rock that had appeared in the corner. Shem stood staring in disbelief. An arctic zone? Now a desert zone? Was this really happening? Look over here, Shem, Nala said as she led him to the next stall. A desert zone had formed in this stall as well, but was slightly different. Growing within the stall, there were scrub brush, grasses, and a few succulent flowering plants. A pair of bearded dragon lizards basked in the hot sunlight on a dead tree branch. As Shem walked closer to look at the lizards, one started slowly waving his arm in a circular motion, no expression on his face. He then switched to the other arm, slowly circling his hand in a waving motion. Shem looked at Nala, who smiled and said, I think he or she likes you. Also in this stall were two kangaroos that sat and gazed back at the humans. The male was scratching his tummy while chewing on a clump of grass. The female sat up on her hind legs, looking quite content. Suddenly, right next to her, a flower bloomed from one of the plants. She looked down at the emerging flower and then back at the humans. Was she smiling? She then leaned over and pulled off the flower, taking a bite and holding the remainder in her paw while she chewed. The male kangaroo hopped over to the water and drank. He looked up, water dripping from his chin, and grunted, looking pleased. How is this happening? asked Ada as she held her hands to her cheeks and slowly shook her head in disbelief. Did it begin when the camels and the kangaroos walked over the threshold into the stalls? Shem asked. A pair of flies buzzed around the male kangaroo's ear and he shook his head to shoo them away. Yes, how did you know that? Nala replied, surprised but delighted. We just saw the same thing happen with the polar bears, but their stall turned into a cold, frozen zone. It happened just as the female walked over the threshold. You should see it. There are ice shelves, icicles, and a strange light coming from within the ice, but it's not like this light that gives off heat. It's just a miracle, exclaimed Shem hugging Nala and Ada as they shared in the wonder of the impossible. God is causing the natural habitats of these animals to form around them, providing the conditions they need for survival, said Noah as he walked up behind them. It's happening all over the ark with varying temperatures and climates. You've seen ice and desert? <laughs> Come with me. You will not believe what I will show you next.
Pretty incredible goings on, then, eh? I know, right? And there is more to come in just a moment, but we'd like to take a moment to uh, remind you you could have a copy of this audiobook for your very own. Aye, the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud is available through Amazon Audible. Just log on to Audible and type in the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud, and voila! You can download a copy for you, or it would make a wonderful gift for someone you love. Uh, you just had to go and get mushy then, didn't you? <laughs> well, let's get back to the Ark then, and we'll see what happens with our friends from Down Under. Japheth and his wife Lily walked along the lower corridor of the Ark, herding along a strange collection of animals. Most were beautiful, of course, but some were quite odd. It looks like the maker put the knees of these birds on backwards. Look how they bend when they walk, said Lily, as the flamingos gracefully walked down the corridor, looking at one another and rolling their eyes. A pair of crocodiles slowly walked along behind them, their massive tails swishing from side to side as their bellies dragged on the floor of the ark. Walking next to the crocs were by far the strangest creatures the people had ever seen. They had flat tails and webbed feet, brown fur, and a nose that looked like a duck. I'm sorry, but what was the maker thinking when he made these creatures? laughed Japheth. Oh, but they are so cute. I know they are strange, but... How could you not love a face like that, I ask you? said Lily, picking up the female and putting her cheek next to the platypus's duck bill. Lily's chestnut brown hair matched the color of the little animal. Lily gently put the platypus down, and the small creature smiled at her mate. The band of animals followed the humans and looked at the plain wooden stalls they passed, wondering how they could be happy cooped up in such drab living conditions. Although the corridor was lit with oil lamps, the stalls were dark. The living quarters were clean and roomy, but devoid of anything similar to what they were used to. They soon reached an area of extra-large stalls. The stalls reached up two decks high, towering above them. The animals looked at one another, wondering what could be so big as to inhabit those stalls. Lily looked back at the animals, then at the double-deck stalls. Clearly, these weren't the right animals to inhabit the 28-foot-tall stalls, but she felt an impression to stop. Japheth, don't ask me why, but I feel like we should put the crocodiles in this stall. Japheth held up his hands to gesture how tall the crocodiles were. But Lily, the crocs are only this high. There's no way they'd need all that room. Lily looked at the large crocodiles that sat there smiling up at her with mouths filled to capacity with pointy teeth. Funny, there were two small green insects sitting on the crocs' heads. They had triangle-shaped heads and long arms folded in at their sides. She smiled back at the crocs and their small green insect passengers. I know it doesn't seem to be the sensible thing. I just have a feeling... They should be in this stall. It couldn't hurt to see for a minute, could it? We could always move them again. Japheth looked at Lily and then at the crocodiles. She had such a big heart for animals, especially the outcasts. Perhaps that's why she had gravitated to this group of strange creatures and these two big reptilian beasts. 
What did she see in them that so attracted her heart? She was smiling at them, and they at her. Lily turned her gaze to smile at Japheth, cocking her head as if to say, Come on, do it for me. Okay, I don't think this is a great idea, but I'll go along with you, said Japheth, grinning and shaking his head. His wife had a way of captivating him with those eyes and that smile that he just couldn't resist. Lily clasped her hands together in excitement and gave Japheth a kiss on the cheek before moving to the crocodiles. Here we go, my toothy friends. Let's see how you like this stall, Lily said as she gently cleared the other animals from their path so they could walk through. The flamingos, armadillos, and platypuses moved aside for the crocodiles, who looked at each other and then up at the huge stall. The green insects also looked up and then bowed their heads. Are they praying? Lily wondered. How curious. Sidney the crocodile looked at his wife Alice and said, Okay, love, here we go. Looks like a beautiful place. Alice smiled back at Sidney. It's not Australia, but it's so tall in there, it'll feel like we're down under. <laughs> I don't know, Stuart said from atop Sidney's massive head. The praying mantis looked uncertain as ever. I've prayed for a miracle to help us have a place as good as home. This doesn't look anything like home. Oh, Stuart, I say we give it a fair go. I think you've prayed enough for the maker to provide for us. He got us to the act, didn't he? That alone was a miracle. Time to live in it, said Cookie, the female praying mantis. Cookie's right, Stuart. You got one smart Sheila there. No worries, mate, said Sidney, as he started walking slowly across the floor to follow Lily into the stall, Alice right beside him. Lily walked into the stall. Come on in. That's right. Let's see how you like it here. As Sidney's small, clawed feet crossed the threshold, a rumble began to shake the stall and cause the wooden planks underneath to roll, as if an earthquake were exploding under their feet. Lily was knocked to the floor, and Japheth called her name in panic. Lily! But the rumbling noise drowned out his voice. Something incredible was happening. Lily sat on the floor, the crocodiles next to her, as they watched a massive rock push up through the wooden planks. The rock grew and grew and grew, soaring high into the double stall as a loud thundering sound filled their ears. The rock looked like it would not stop growing before soaring into the upper deck, bringing it crashing down on top of them. All eyes were gazing upward at the rock when suddenly it stopped. The rumble ceased, and all was quiet. Japheth rushed inside the stall and sat next to Lily. Are you okay? Lily could only shake her head yes. She was in awe of what had happened stunned speechless. Lily then felt something under her hands on the floor where she leaned back on her arms. It was soft, gooey, wet, and ticklish. She quickly pulled her hands back and stood up to see an amazing sight. Marsh grass was growing out of the floor, which had turned to a gray, muddy bottom. Lily and Japheth jumped back in alarm as they watched the grass spread around the middle of the stall, forming a perfect circle. 
Sidney started laughing. <laughs> Ace, that tickles, <laughs> he said as the wet grass grew under his belly. Stuart sat there covering his eyes with his long front arms, afraid to look at what was happening. Look, Stuart, it's marsh grass, marsh grass growing here, exclaimed Alice. There's nothing to fear. Open your eyes, love. Cookie flew over to Stuart and pulled his arms back. You ask for a miracle, Stuart. You got a ripped snotter of one. Stuart opened one eye, then the other. He blinked twice at the spreading marsh grass and then breathed in to smell the distinct aroma of marshland. Could it be? It smelled like the banks of the river he so loved back in New Zealand. I, I can't believe it, Stuart said as he clasped his hands together. It's almost like home. If only there was some flowing water. Stuart's words were cut off when a huge rumble began again, this time from the top of the rock. All eyes quickly turned to the top of the stall. It couldn't be. It just couldn't be. Ah! Oh, Jenny has given us another cliffhanger. Aye, with a real cliff by the sound of things. I know, it's incredible, huh? So, I have to ask Miss Jenny about it. Well then, let's just get right over to Jenny's corner then and ask her. Uh, Miss Jenny, uh, what is happening in the Ark is so amazing. How did you get to that place in your mind? Aye, you must have been asking yourself some pretty big questions then. So, Miss Jenny, who what are you asking yourself? The number one question that I ask, and I teach this in my creative writing workshops, is what would that look like? And so I ask that not only for the scene that I'm writing, what was going on in the scene? What did it smell like? What did it sound like? What did it look like? What were the characters doing? And then I ask that same question, you know, if a character has a conflict, well, what does that look like? How does he feel? What is she going to do about it? What is the emotional reaction? What is the mental reaction? What is, you know, some words they could say? And so I really try to put myself in the character's shoes and ask myself, what would I do in that circumstance? And so thanks so much for stopping by Jenny's Corner. Now let's find out what we'll hear next time around. Well, thanks, Jenny. Next time we'll find out what has our friends from New Zealand and Australia all excited. And we'll meet some other creatures that seem to be pretty excited pretty much all the time. Well, let's face it, it's a jungle out there. Or in there. Anyway, see you next time. Once again, the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, is produced by Playful World Ministries. And The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud was written by Jenny L. Cody. To purchase your copy of The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud on audiobook, log on to audible.com. And for all the amazing books by Jenny L. Cody, the entire collection of the Epic Order of the Seven, log on to Jenny's website, www.epicorderoftheseven.com. That's epicorderoftheseven.com. See you next time on the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast. And I'm Denny Brownlee. Thanks for joining us. Have a grande! Au revoir, mes amis. Always remember... You are loved and you are able.